When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. 18th of October, Baznizzi, for breakfast, a Monday morning where we've got so much different stuff to look at, but in the midst of it all, Izzy, we caught up with a goat. Well, we had a goat on a horse, but then we had a goat on the show. Dan Carter turned up today, and he was fantastic. He was, he was. He threw me under the bus with a couple of my, uh, you know, let's just say email names when I was a young fella, Izzy underscore Carter at Hotmail.com. Not one of my finest moments, but that's okay. I'm lucky enough to be able to share the field with the GOAT. In my eyes, he is the GOAT. TC. Uh, anyway, it was great to chat to Dan Carter. We also had Baz McCullum on the show, mate. Baz uh, speaking of GOATs. Over in the UAE. Yeah, another GOAT. He's over in the UAE. He just finished playing the Chennai Super Kings. Just one hurdle. Too many for the KKR side. But anyway, that's good news for us. We get to get him home. We get to get him home, and we get to have him back on our airways. Looking forward to that. And we also had Jose Aguirre. Jose Aguirre joined the show, and he had a very successful weekend with the East Coast rugby side, Ma'anonu, Fafili Lavave. Jose Aguirre, a goat on a horse. Ma'anonu, how good was that? <laughs> Seeing them running around. And Ruatoria and the mighty East Coast, that was such a good watch. And they got up as well, 50-23 to 23 over Buller for their first win in eight years. Eight years, 54 games. So it would have been celebrations a many over on the East Coast. So it was a great show. If you missed anything, make sure you download the podcast on the SCNZ app and you'll get it all from the Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks for listening. Brendan McCullum, here's on the line. Good morning, Baz. Good morning, brother. How are you, Iz? Oh, mate, I'm I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, mate. I'm good, actually. Just uh, yeah, sort of decompressing ooh, ooh. after uh, was the pretty um, emotional last is week. That, I is guess that over voice here a bit well. croaky? Is there a bit of dust? Is there a croaky voice? Oh, that might that might have been a big big Cuban cigar at the end of the uh, at the end of the tournament, <laughs> sitting out on the balcony with a couple of the lads, but. Yeah, it's my apologies. Not, no, not a great radio voice, is it? But anyway, um, no, great week, great week, and, and a great tournament. And look, we fell short, but if anyone else was going to win it, um, my good friend Flemo winning it um, again was was pretty special. So we managed a, a nice little moment together, and 
we've got a few days coming up where we can celebrate both our team and and his team's performance. It'll be good to catch up with him, actually. Yeah, nice, mate. Oh, look, results aside, we'll get on to that later, mate. We've got to talk about the tournament. For you, you know, a pretty successful tournament, and we've spoken about it before, but you must be very proud of where the lads will be able to come from to get to the heights and actually reach the final, eh? Yeah, 100%, bro. Look, we were we were dead and buried, to be honest, at the halfway mark, and and such is the such is the nature of this tournament as well. Like, it's so cutthroat. The performances, if if you don't measure up, um, you know, the the, the page gets turned and, and someone else gets that opportunity. So, look, I, I understand the the mortality um, rate of uh, of a coach in this in this kind of competition, and I was very fortunate. I was able to put together a support staff, um, which I um, that I knew and I and I trusted for pretty much at this exact moment so that, you know, when things were tough, um, you knew that you could rely on them, that they were loyal and, and they had your back and you could stick to the initial plan. And once we were able to do that, funnily enough, we were, we were able to gain um, enough confidence within the unit and enough clear messaging that, um, that we were able to turn our performances around. And, look, it was actually a magical campaign, lads. We stripped out, mm. the irony is we stripped yeah, out all man. the high-performance stuff um, all your meetings, all your um, all your real analytical stuff, uh, all your selection meetings, all your reviews, previews, we stripped pretty much everything out um, and we literally just got the boys back to spending time together in a laughing, joking kind of environment and um, and it's funny how that funny how that helped and it got them to gel. Do you think that could, oh, I just think about that as being stimulating, like there's nothing worse when you, you're stuck in a, a routine when you've done something for so long, the routine can get quite stale after a while. So that that would have been quite refreshing for the lads. A lot of buying from them. Yeah, a whole heap of buying, mate. And look, I, mm. it's not easy when you're trying to blend different cultures and different ethnicities in a short period of time for a common goal. But I guess that's the if I if I look at the two campaigns, the first one was probably the ideal high performance environment, but it was not the right yeah. environment for the group of men that we had. The second setup. Yeah which was just more about trying to spend quality time with one another and in a relaxed environment and getting to know one another. Like we, we did some uh, some real basic things, you know, like every day we'd sort of do pool sessions or beach sessions, we'd play beach volleyball and have these kind of little games. And it, it just seemed to break down a lot of barriers. And I think that's one of the greatest learnings from this campaign is that, um, you know, there's there's certain things which you think are the right thing to do and then there's just getting a whole group of people together and having fun and funnily how that how that kind of broke broke down a lot of barriers and the guys went out there and played a brand of cricket which which um, gave us a, a good chance albeit we fell short gave us our best chance so it was, it was pretty cool and credits memories which you can look back on pretty fondly as well as Bez, you obviously spend a lot of time around Flem and you guys share ideas and I'm sure like different styles of leadership. What what about other coaches and and um, kind of this level of IPL or other cricket? Do you imagine or do you know whether other camps are like this and do you kind of take ideas from other places and know what other environments within the IPL were like, whether it lent to that high performance side or more of that just continuity side aspect of it? Um. Yeah, look, I, I guess Flem is probably the closest um, that are, that I've of all the coaches that I'm obviously good mates with Ricky Ponning as well, who coaches Delhi Capitals. Uh, get on really well with Mahela J. Wardner, who coaches Mumbai Indians, which has Shane Bond and the sports staff as well. So, look, there's some guys who oh my phone's going off. So there's some some guys who you learn from. Um, 
you know, and you, and you look at how they shape their environments and how they try and blend together those cultures and, and ethnicities and, 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 and you try and piece a little bit of that stuff together. But uh, the thing I've found is that um, you, you really just have to do it your way. You've got to do it the way that you believe is right rather than trying to conform yeah. to something to try and, to try and um, get the results. Ultimately, that's just masquerading. <laughs> and, and you do you do that sometimes if you're trying to hold on to a job. If you just immerse yourself in the job and you do it to the best of the abilities that you believe is right, then you've got more chance of actually being successful at it because I think then it's authentic and and people buy into authenticity um, and that's something that Flem's taught me and and you know he said to me on our on our jet home last time round when our team was sitting <laughs> two wins from from seven games uh, I remember he, he kind of said to me just do it your way mate your way seems to work it worked for New Zealand and it'll work in yeah. India just just do it your way and then whatever happens you can be content that that um that, that you were authentic to that mm. wise words wise words from the great Stephen Fleming mate and he's right do it your way mate and it's done wonders you're, you're doing it your way on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast mate and we miss you here on the show looking forward to getting you home mate but before then was there a little bit of banter thrown backward and forth between <laughs> you and Flemo because he loves a wee bit of a chat on a whatsapp group doesn't he he does yeah he's in he doesn't mind a little bit of a sort of <laughs> You know, a provocative text to to just sort of lead you into something. But now, look, we actually had it. We had a bit of a we had a bit of a uh, agreement that um, whoever wins the the final. Um, so we have three four days together. When so I'm currently in Abu Dhabi at the moment. Everyone else has actually left actually. So I'm sort of here on my own. Um, Flem's helping out New Zealand at this point in time, which is pretty cool for them. Um, and then we meet up on the 20th, um, and then we actually fly out on the 24th back to New Zealand. So during those four days, we had an agreement that whoever wins the IPL, they take care of that bill. So all I can say is look out, look out, look out, Stephen. Oh, how good. What's on the cards, mate? What are you you eating? Are you going to get New Zealand lamb rack or what? That'll cost about a billion bucks. That's right, New Zealand lamb racks. I reckon some New Zealand, some New Zealand wine somewhere in the in the hotel in Dubai. Maybe some golf. I'd imagine maybe a little bit of whiskey, a couple of cigars. Oh, I think it could be a great few days. What can you actually do, Ben? Flem's paying. Like, what, what do you? What, so you'll be in Dubai. Like, what is um? What's so far? <laughs> look, the international world is so far removed from our reality. I don't even remember what it's like to be in another country. What 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 do you do? Like, what are you guys going to get up to? Um, oh, literally, we're going to play golf, probably sit by the pool and uh, and probably have a couple of scoops, I'm imagining, and talk about our experiences um, throughout this time and and, uh, and and just, you know, invest in some memories, I'm guessing, lads. But look, you can pretty much do whatever you want over here. Like, literally, you put a mask on and, and you're good to go wherever you, wherever you want. You, if you're double vaccinated, you just have to show... Um, Show your uh, your card, which says what your vaccinations are, and you can you can kind of get on with with life, which which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, but it'll be good. It'll be good to spend a bit of time on Flemo. I'll get the real detail on WhatsApp post this conversation or what they're really going to get up to, mate. I'll get all the gravy from Bears <laughs> after this conversation, mate. Listen, Kelly, they're just going to be picking up the kids while the husbands are lying by the pool. 
poor girls, poor girls. But, mate, <laughs> we're looking forward to getting you home, man. We're looking forward to getting you home. Have you been watching any of the racing while you've been over there? It was a big weekend yeah, of watched... racing. Yeah, bro, it was a great weekend, wasn't it? Nature's trip and incentivised. Oh. It was, yeah. No, nah, the racing was it's starting to heat up. Eh? It's bloody good, actually. What, my horse had a good run on Saturday, too, Tabata. Yeah. At Hastings. Yeah, dad backed luck, that. My dad backed that. Tell him next start, up to the mile, next start, <laughs> should, be hard, should be hard to beat. Don't be a moron, get more on. <laughs> Don't be a moron, get more on. It hasn't really worked for me since you left, Baz. It's been a tough old slog on the punt, but it's okay, it's okay. But anyway, tell us, when, you, when you're coming home, when are we going to get you back on the airways, mate? Everyone wants to know. Just just on that, don't be a moron, get more on. Gamble responsibly, of course, it's TAB. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm back, on, uh, I'm back on the 25th, so I'll be into quarantine um, then. I've got all the team, all the back-end team, Josh and all the lads sent me uh, a kit over here, so I'll be able to park up and quarantine and join you, my brother, in, in the mornings, mm. and join you as well, Louis. And um and be able to join join the fellas and, and all the team and looking forward to getting back and, and seeing all you guys and jumping on the airways with you. I've missed you, eh? I know you've been holding yeah, the four back home, doing a, a wonderful job. Actually your introduction was fabulous too, like real polished <laughs> broadcaster. I was like, geez, he's been a good few weeks for the for the Ismaster. <laughs> oh yeah. But the Ismaster the Ismaster's come a long way since Bears has come. Mate, like, let's be honest, mate. I was on your shoulders for the whole first two months, and then you've gone away, and I'm like, wow, I'm really going to have to pull something out of my bum here and just come away with it. So, look, I've really enjoyed the development, mate, but let's be honest, it's it's not a show without you, and we're, we're really looking forward to, to getting you home, man. I know the family will be missing you. How have they been doing? Yeah, bro, that's right. They, um, Yeah, it's been a while now, and obviously another two and a half or three weeks pretty much coming up, but... You know, that's that's what you sign up for in, in the gig too, and that's the way the world is at the moment. So it was a good opportunity for us to to go away and fulfil the obligations we had, which we had set, and obviously making it through to the final made it made it all worthwhile. So look forward to the summer and spending plenty of time at home and you know, invest a lot of time with them um, during during that time. But for now, they they're just operating and trying to dodge the trying to dodge the yeah. lockdowns we're in obviously a matter matters so the the Waikato lockdowns a little a little close for comfort yeah um, yeah but for now they've still got a bit of freedom but hopefully everything's starting to uh, talk to me what is everything getting itself sorted <laughs> back home we've, our vaccination <laughs> rates are up um, when do we just when do we just blow this thing open and just carry on with life yeah, look open good, the borders uh, no quarantine it's a good question oh, we've missed that honestly get on with it. we've it, missed that it. it's a it's a yeah. good it's a good question Baz. look we had a thing called super saturday this weekend so we uh, vaccinated what do we vaccinate 2.5 percent of new 130, zealand people but the yeah. issue is mate we've still got 500,000 kiwis that aren't vaccinated and uh, probably a good whack of them that aren't interested in being being vaccinated. So, I mean, there's a conversation to be had when you get back. Show some leadership. This could be Dare to Dream 3.0. Maybe we could Dare to Dream to have a 97% vaccination rate. You can give us some inspirational pep talk and we might be able to get people out and to do it. But until then, it's kind of hard to know what's going on. Although it does seem like because 
people are going to, because the lockdowns are ending, so we're going to have COVID in the community, they're not going to have enough MIQ rooms for people returning to New Zealand. So I think that people will be uh, isolating at home before the end of the year. They'll be, I, I think there will be like a trickle on, you know, they'll start phasing it. And you might have been about two months too early, which is probably not exactly what you want to hear. Here's an idea. How's about those that don't want to get vaccinated? We can use the MIQ facilities for them and the rest of the country can get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reverse it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Blow it open. I Let's go. It. Everyone's vaccinated. Move we on. need to keep going, mate. I know what you mean. Yeah. Jacinda's yeah. going to make that decision. She's going to come on the airways, give us a solution, give us a date and say, if you're not done by then, well, you're going to prison. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Gee, the show has been a lot less political now I think about it. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had that feeling. That's the most political thing I've ever said. <laughs> yeah. <You> just... <laughs> well, that's not true either, is <laughs> oh, I know. No, oh, don't bring that, that up. Don't, don't bring that up, Baz. <laughs> hey, Baz. Um, well, I know we've spoken about it. Oh, it was a good uh, colour, though. <laughs> um, it's certainly my favourite colour too. You, you mentioned that. You mentioned that Flem spending some time with the Black Caps. That's um. So that came through yesterday. They sent the Black Caps uh, kind of announced that that. He's doing a few days. Can you imagine he's be doing some mentorship? And what will he be able to offer? I mean, I know you've spoken about his sorts of style of leadership and cohesion quite a bit, but in that specific instance with the Black Caps guys of ahead of a World Cup, what do you imagine he'll be doing and talking about? Um, well, first of all, I think it's fantastic. For um, it's, it's incredible um, that New Zealand cricket's been able to to hook him in, really. For I know it's only four or five days, but you know, the, the advice that he that he will give and the the presence he'll have in and around that group is is significant not only is he obviously a former New Zealand captain who who sort of held the fort for a long period of time but he's also you know had a stamp right throughout on on New Zealand leaders post um his his time as a player as well as a, as a bit of a mentor and and he's been over here he's been incredibly successful as a coach and and uh, for CSK and, and obviously they won the tournament but his knowledge of the grounds and conditions and environments look it'll just be a tremendous resource and it's yeah, well done to New Zealand cricket to rope him in I don't imagine it was cheap um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's great for them and, and great for someone like Kane to be able to you know lean on um, lean on Flem a little bit with some information and, and also the the support staff too Gary Stead and all his coaching team um, what they can learn off someone like Flem and just the presence and his calm demeanour um, will just be will mean so much to all of them. So hey, it may not result in instant gratification um, in terms of wins in this tournament, but I think the impact of his involvement, even just over four or five days, we felt in in time to come. Mate, we can't wait to have you home, brother. Not long now. Travel safe. Enjoy those four days. We'll leave you alone in those four days, so you can actually get some good R and R with Flem. Get the goal, uh, hit the fairways and uh, play well, mate, and we'll catch up soon, eh, bud? Cheers, boys. Love you lots, lads. Take care. The losing streak, which was stretched back to 2013, was snapped for East Coast in the Heartland Championship as they beat Buller 50-26, and it was a celebration as all black great Ma'anonu donned the sky blue in what might have been the most popular game of rugby anywhere over the weekend. Alongside Ma, there was a player coach for the day, Jose Aguirre, Fafili Lavave was there as well. Great hurricane player. 
He's back on the show this morning to debrief a special day. Morena Hose, how are you, brother? Morena, brother. Not too bad. Thanks for having me back. Oh, mate, thanks for joining us. Mate, honestly, it was the game of the weekend. I was watching uh, on the Facebook page, on the East Coast Rugby Facebook page, and there was a couple of thousand that had tuned in to watch that game, mate. <laughs> Tell us about that experience and what it was like up on the coast. Oh, it was um, it was awesome, Mason. The boys had a pretty had a pretty pretty big day. Obviously, everyone stayed in um, in town on, on Friday night in Gisborne, so that we could accommodate for 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 Skucks and um, and Fafili coming in late. So um, so we started heading up the coast at about nine o'clock in the morning and stopped in Tokomaru Bay for a walk through and had some lunch. Uh, the weather was awesome and we had to cook a tev, which is uh, which is right on the water. So we had lunch there. So the boys were sort of you know enjoying the. Enjoying the scenery there, and then we, we carried on up and stopped and watched um, Nazi Police Coast Women play um, play Tūranganui Akiwa for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then yeah, yeah. Um, and they headed to Whakarua Park and passed a, a group of horses on the way. So, um, yeah, and, and Fafili sort of really enjoyed it. And it gave them a good sort of feeling for, um, you know, what rugby's all about up there, and, and it was just an awesome occasion. Hey, what was the build-up like? You just touched on it then, but was there a lot of hype around the coast? A lot of hype around... East Coast, a lot of kids excited. Oh, the hype was massive. Yeah, obviously after um, after naming that uh, that you know Mara was was on the bench and and Fafili was coming and, and and also myself. So the town was you know really fizzing and it was our club day as well. Um, Sammy Parks playing his fiftieth game and and yeah, one of our, our old um, supporters had, had had passed away that morning um, as well, which is a little bit sad. So I think there were you know a lot of mixed emotions running through that day and it was. Um, was awesome. Obviously, no, um, all the restrictions had been lifted as well, so um, everything just came together and was um, um, was beautiful. Mate, I spoke to you earlier in that week, and you gave nothing away, man. And like we we <laughs> like to break news on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast show, and you didn't even give us anything, brother. Come on, what was that about? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, my brother. As much as I wanted to, I, I knew I couldn't. And, um, yeah, I don't like saying things until the until the actual person or something is on the ground. Yeah. You know, we, we had a similar sort of um, situation to when Nehe came and played in our centenary match. So um, couldn't yeah. really say anything until the man was on the ground on the Friday. So, but um, yeah, yeah, it was tough to keep that one quiet. Oh, man, it was the worst kept secret in the world. I reckon I got about 100 Instagram messages <laughs> telling people telling me, and I was like, look, oh, I can't break it. That's the news. That's the news. I'll let them do it, mate. But um, let's talk about that special occasion, having Ma'a there. I watched the game, and, like, you know, that the, the your, your guys' contribution aside, the, the boys had it in the bag from the get-go, mate. I, I think when you boys went on, it was 43-10. So they put on an absolute clinic. Sam Parks, you spoke about it, scoring two tries. Tarangi Fraser, I thought he was very impressive. In his game, mate, you must be pretty proud as, as how they're tra- trajecting as a coach. I think they've taken their game to another level, East Coast Rugby. Yeah, absolutely. And I, was, I, I was quite confident that uh, that the boys were um, were going to do well, or they're definitely capable mm. of doing well. And I was reluctant to um, to put us out there, and um, I didn't really want to. But old Mark was was keen; he wanted to jump on straight after half time, so I had to. <laughs> Sort of pull, I had to pull the reins a little bit, and and just quietly at the same time, the old hammy was a bit tight from warming up, so I was too keen on getting out there. But um, I, I couldn't deny the people um, an opportunity to see, you know, all of the boys in the sky blue. So I, I tried to leave it as as late as I could, um, with still enough time for the boys to have, um, you know, a little bit of a run around. But 
Um, I think, um, oh, you know, it, it had been a long time coming. Um, I was never in doubt that the boys were, were capable of um, of doing that and playing like that, and and it was just it was just good to see that it was uh, that they were able to play like that in our last home game um, of the year in front of a in front of a pretty awesome crowd. Yeah, mate, I loved it. I loved it. I loved your first touch, mate. Tell us about that. You got a little cut ball. You were opening up. You made a good decision to park <laughs> there, and then he got Angus going for his third. But but tell us about that that, that little moment. You still got it. Yeah, well, so um, the previous kickoff receives that we'd that, that we'd received, um, we'd kicked them back. So I said, "Oh, boys, let's have a crack." Um, so we moved <laughs> it wide, and then you know, space opened up. But it was good having you know, Martin the midfield there. I know I knew that he'd be able to get the get the ball away, something that we've probably struggled with you know in the past. So, um, and he just freed up a bit of space. We were able to run a little bit, and then. Um, try to keep the ball moving, obviously, and you know, Sammy got Sammy got tackled, but um, there was no one over the ball, so he was able to pop it up to me, and then, um, you know, we just wanted to try and keep that ball alive and, and keep it moving, something that we probably haven't um, been able to do a lot of uh, this year. So, um, yeah, and, and, and it was pretty stoked that the, the weather sort of you know permitted for that style of play. Oh, bro, I loved it. I loved it. You can't go past that photo of a goat on a horse, mate. My Anono on a horse, too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Any times, let me know. From humble beginnings in the rural Canterbury, Southbridge, to the top of the world, DC, Dan Carter is with us this morning to chat about his new book, 1598. Good morning, brother. What's up, Diggy? Mate, that was quite an intro. Was that, that must have been quite painful, having... <laughs> You have to read that out. <laughs> yeah, it is, mate. That's oh, probably the nicest thing I've had to try and say about you, mate. It's, no, I really mean it, mate. I, I'm so, <laughs> I feel so privileged and honoured, and, and you're probably spewing in your mouth right now, but to be able to share the field with you. And look, it's pretty exciting times. But before then, mate, you've got four boys at home. You're a busy time. You're in lockdown. How's lockdown been for you, bud? It's, it's all right. It could be a lot worse, but um, Honor and I are dealing with the triple threat. Um, you know, newborn <laughs> child, a toddler, and homeschooling as well. So we're uh, back at the homeschooling uh, starting again today. But kids love it. I love having mum and dad around all the time. And I guess before um, this pandemic, you know, I was over in Japan and yeah. I was actually away from the family for a couple of years. So I wasn't the best sort of father parent around that time. So, uh, you know, to, to come back and spend a lot more quality time with them, it's, it's good. Oh, nice, mate. I love it. I love it. The genes are strong with the young ones, mate. I've seen some kicking techniques there from, from Dad and passed down from Honor as well, mate. So good work there. Hey, we obviously got you on the show. Pretty exciting news for you this week or last week with the release of your new book, 1598, mate. What, what was the inspiration behind this, brother? Oh, this time last year, I would have um, not thought I'd be uh, releasing a book. Um, I was kind of arming and ahhing whether I wanted to continue playing or not but earlier in the year I decided to hang up the boots and and as you know um, you know when you do hang up your boots it's probably the first time you can really sit back and, and reflect on your career where where you are playing you're just focusing on, on your next job your next task your next competition mm -hmm. so I had a chance this year to sit back and, and reflect and yeah I thought well no better way than doing that than um, you know, releasing a book as uh, a celebration of my All Black career. There's uh, um, some pretty sort of special memories, um, you know, th throughout that time. 
So I thought I'd just put it all mm. together. And and I actually never, you know, if I got asked, okay, okay, tell us a little bit about your, your 30th test or your 40th test, I'd have no idea. And I, I imagine you'd be the same as he. Um, you probably can't even yeah. remember what happened yesterday, let alone, um, you know, <laughs> five, ten years ago in your career, mate. So, um, But it was a really, really interesting process. Like when I went through it from my first test match all the way to my last, I could remember something within that game, something really unique, something special that happened even the week leading into it. Um, so it was it was quite a, an awesome process to be able to go through. So the book takes you through a wee journey of my black career from my first um, test to my last 13 years later. And, um, you know, for simple minds like you and I, Izzy, it's, it's a picture book, so it's, uh, it's easy to, to get through and read. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able to enjoy it when you get your hands on a copy, mate. Well, that's what I could ask, mate. I still haven't received it, so I'm, I'm expecting a signed one in the mail soon, I'm hoping, from the great DC, mate. Hey, um, I'm going to talk to you about those 13 years, 112 tests. You, you, you've had many, many memories. Well, like you spoke about it, but there's got to be some that really stick out. Obviously, your first test, your last test, I want to ask you about that, but later on when you put the jersey on for the last time, the, the memories, the emotions, but what are the ones that stand out for you, mate? Yeah, it's definitely the last one, but if we're going to talk about that later, I'll, I'll come back to that. But hard to go past your first one. Um, mm. I remember being a little five-year-old boy growing up in a little rural town of, of Southbridge, 700 people, and and when I was five, it was 1987. You weren't even born yet. Um, and the inaugural Rugby World Cup was on, and it was co-hosted by Australia and New Zealand, and the All Blacks uh, went on to win. Now, throughout that tournament, John Kerwin, so John Kerwin was an absolute yeah. machine. I still remember the try he scored against Italy. We ran the length of the field. And from that moment, you know, I was out on my backyard just trying to, to be John Kerwin, trying to be uh, the All Blacks. I still remember David Kirk living, uh, lifting the Webb Ellis cup above his head. And something was installed in me then. I was like, no, I, I want to be an All Black. That's, that's all I want to be. So from that time, that was my, my dream. I didn't actually think it would happen because... You know, growing up in a little country town, I didn't think that, uh, that that's the right pathway to, to, to being an all-black. But um, mm. in 2003, that dream became a reality, and I got to wear the all-black jersey for the first time, and it was such a proud moment singing the national anthem, representing my country, and, and doing the haka for the first time. It's just so many emotions on that day, so it's hard to go past uh, you know, my first test match. Mate, everyone has a defining moment in their career that, that defines and shapes their career. Dan Carter on the big stage. I think of one. I think of one in the British and Irish Lions test. For me, that is when you, when you announced yourself on the world stage. Are you on the long same line? What, what is the defining moment that we can read in this book that announced Dan Carter on the big stage? Yeah, it's probably hard to go past that line series. It was it really, I guess put my name on the, the international scene. I'd been playing for a couple of years, um, majority of that time in the 12 jersey, but then to have a performance um, like I did in that second test match against the Lions was, was you know, was, I was kind of just, everything just seemed to, to flow and click that day. I don't know, don't know what it was. Um, I remember the team were really playing for, for our captain, Tana Rumanga. He held yeah. so much mana with yeah. him. 
within our team and he got criticised a bit um, throughout the press leading into um, that second test so we really wanted to play well for, for him and I'm just really thankful we're able to, to sew up the series that night and, and have a good game but I guess that kind of um, pushed me forward onto the international scene a little bit um, but you know, after having a performance like that then you know the pressure and expectation of me trying to do that every week was was immense and the follow, game following that was against South Africa over there yeah. and we lost and I had probably one of my worst games in, in, the, in the black jersey <laughs> so I got brought right back down to worst straight away and <laughs> rugby is a, a beautiful um, beautiful way of keeping you know people grounded at, at times and that was definitely a, a moment for me so I really had to look at what genuine preparation was and probably read a little bit too much of my own press to be honest uh, after, after a yeah. game like that but we've all been there mate. We all do. That, that was probably that was probably about the same time that you changed your email address, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, don't bring it up, though. Please, please don't bring it up. Is he is he Carter? Hotmail dot com. What? What? Oh. What is this? Oh no, no. Hey, is it is it fair income, Dan? Oh man, I, I you have to leave it to Izzy to explain that. Like, I can't tell this story. Oh, this is disgusting. You've set me up to fail here. What a, what a sad guy. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I was at high school and um, my email was Izzy underscore Carter at hotmail.com and it was right through my career. And then I was sitting next to DC in the change rooms at Christchurch and I was like, hey, bro. And he's like, hey. I used to have my email was as you say, underscore at carterhotmail.com. And he laughed at me and he goes, you idiot. And the worst thing about it, he was laughing at me. I was, oh, what a sick. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks for bringing that up. So <laughs> nice. I know, little stories like that. Oh, it's great. It's great, mate. We've got plenty of stories, but we keep those off the earways, mate. Hey, let's talk about... The, obviously, this book's got a lot of the highs involved in it. Is, are we able to read some of the, about some of the lows and how you were able to get through some of those moments um, in your career where things weren't going so great? Are we able to get a little insight into those through the book? Oh, a little bit. Um, like I said, it's more of a, a picture book. It's a, a coffee table book. So there's not not a lot of writing in there, to be honest. Um, I did my autobiography um, six years ago. Sheesh, getting old. Yeah. Um, in 2015. And that really took a journey sort of through the highs and lows. This one, it's more just like a paragraph about something leading into that game. But yeah, it does. It talks a lot about injuries and it talks a lot about sort of bouncing back from injuries. Oh, this is my first uh, game since, um, you know, rupturing my Achilles tendon. And I was extremely nervous going into this game. I had a lot of doubts. So I had a little bit or other um, test matches will, will be... Oh, my first game as a father. Um, these are the things that I was thinking. So it's all very um, does take you on a bit of a journey into sort of my mindset, what I was thinking during that game or leading into that game. Yeah. So I I handwrote it all myself. So apologise for all the mistakes. Actually, I gave a copy to to my parents, and Dad rang me up within 24 hours. You've made a mistake. You've you've had a shock. You've absolutely <laughs> you've had a mistake. I'm like what? How could you pick up a mistake? You know, he goes, yeah, no, you spelt um slick wrong. You know, you're talking about your boots, and you said that they're sick. Um, isn't it supposed to be slick? And I'm like, no, like that's what the young guys do. You know, they, they say oh, these boots are sick. You know, it's like, oh my god, that is an absolute shocker. He was ripping me out for 
trying to trying to be cool and and using this word sick uh, to explain oh, something that's really Lee. cool. Oh, oh me, mate. Oh, he's right. stuck in Southbridge, mate. Wow, they're sick boots, yeah. DC. You are a trendsetter. I remember your boots, too. They had Marco on them, and I was like, man, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to get your son's uh, boots. Maybe one day I'll chuck Arlo, but no, nah, I retired before he was born. But anyway, um, <laughs> mate, let's talk. I, was, I was in the car with Rico yesterday, chatting to him about the book, and he had a big part in the book as well. He wrote the foreword. How, how cool was that? How's yeah. That, oh, it was amazing, but now he's trying to ask for royalties. Um <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Jeez. I was like, come on, mate, are we favour? No, he's like, he's sending me an invoice. You don't um, need I can't it. believe it. <laughs> exactly. Tell me about it. Um, no, only joking. Um, he uh, he actually wrote some really kind words. It was, um, I was blown away, you know, when I read it for the first time. You know, we had a pretty close relationship. Um, you know, yeah, both our careers were, were very similar timing. We... Um, you know, we're in the trenches together for a lot of our battles, and we were just two people that could really rely on each other and push each other. So, you know, to I hold him such high regard, probably the best player that's ever played the game, um, and to play, you know, my career alongside uh, a legend like that was was incredible. So I reached out to him, and uh, he was only too happy to do it. And, and then when I was Able to read it for the first time, it was yeah pretty special. So I'm forever grateful for uh, for Rico and 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 doing that, you know, doing that for me. Yeah, nice. um, I'm glad we brought him up actually because I saw your Instagram post of him going out to bat yesterday, but I didn't get a wee update. <laughs> How'd he go? Did he get any runs? Nah, he went he went really good. Like he's not he's not a you know a polished batter, but he actually got his high score ever nineteen runs. He got nineteen runs. He was actually booking <laughs> it. Though. I was surprised, oh, and they well, needed mate. it because they're. Obviously, when Rico has to pad up, they're in trouble. So they're, he went in at yeah. about 90, 90 for six, I think he was, and they got to 160. Yeah. So yeah, he had his own. Oh, nice. Very, very, very impressed. But that um, oh, no, was good. It was good to cheer. Um, see Rico just so relaxed, you know. He's got two girls. He's a girl dad. And uh, other side of you, mate, you got four boys. But um, it was good to see Rico really relaxed and just enjoying post-footy. Yeah, good stuff, like he's put his heart and soul into, into his career, so he deserves a bit of downtime. Yeah, not, hey, so where do we get this book, bro? Where, where do we get this book, and, and where, where can we, we purchase this and have a wee look, see, and have a wee look at the pictures? Yeah, so, yeah I was going to say your mailbox, but I'll be heads in a row for you. Sorry, mate, um, I'll chase <laughs> that up. But um, for everyone else, all major New Zealand bookstores, you know, you what calls Paper Plus, um, yeah, you should be able to be able to find it in there and and hopefully you know you'll be able to enjoy the the all black journey that that i went on um obviously like i mentioned it was a a dream of mine it turned into a reality and then i was able to um you know drag it out for 13 years and some real highs and lows throughout that career so i feel like these pictures were an incredible way to, mm. to be able to to showcase that it's a beautiful coffee table book hopefully you know it can sit nicely on your coffee table and all enduring book that can can last the test of time. So, um, yeah, let's get your copy, brother. Nice, easy. Hey, mate, I really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to getting the book. Fifteen ninety eight, having a wee geezer, having a wee read, and uh, just reminiscing on your on your amazing career, mate. One hundred twelve tests, fifteen hundred ninety eight points. What a career and uh, time to relax and be a father now. So, thanks so much, DC. Thanks, Izzy. Cheers, guys. <laughs>
Nature's Trip clings on. He's king of the mountain this time. Ooh. Nature's Trip from the fast finishing Mask Crusader and Eduardo. Oh, he's just... He's the fastest up the mountain, and um, look, there's a lot of punters, owners, connections around the world, as well as Australia and New Zealand, that we're watching very keenly. One of those is Peter Keane. He's a co-owner, and he's with us now. Morning, Peter. Good morning. How's it going? Yeah, we're good, mate. We've had a little bit of a theme on this morning's show. Baz had a bit of a husk in his voice after getting into a Cuban cigar after the... uh, his, his IPL season finished. I imagine your throat might be a bit uh, gamey this morning after a big weekend, a lot of sk- shouting. Yeah, a lot of shouting at the TV, that was for sure, especially when Mask Crusader was coming down the outside. But I think <laughs> my shouting prevailed because nature strip hung on. Do you think he heard you? <laughs> I bloody hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Peter, we spoke on Saturday morning. You joined Mick and me and you kind of talked about what the horse means to you and everyone and how special it was. And But nothing, I could hear, still hear it in your voice. You still you wanted this so badly with Chris and James and everybody. Everybody wanted this result. So what was the feeling like once he did hit the post first? More of relief, really. Um, because, as I said on Saturday, it sort of buried a lot of demons, I thought. I mean, Kiwis have been pretty supportive of Nature Strip overall, but the Aussies have been quite polarised about him. And um, for him to do that on Saturday... And you heard the crowd, I'm sure you watched it, and they're all singing Sweet Caroline and going off, and he really got a great reception coming back. And, you know, I think they, I read an article yesterday where they've put Nature Strip in the top three now of all time for Australasia, so that's pretty cool. And he's, wow. you know, he's only a seven-year-old, so he's got at least another year and a half in him, so uh, who knows? Was that the perfect ride for you, uh, for you and the team? J Mac on board, uh, Chris Waller in the stands. Was that the perfect ride? Was that go right to plan? What you had planned? No, not really. Um, James talked mm. to us after the race. <clears throat> he said the sectionals were quite a lot faster than what he'd hoped. So he was hoping yeah. for about 11 second uh, 200s, and they did them in about 10. Um, and if you remember, he did have to work quite hard to come across. Um, because Eduardo, as we all know, is good from the gates, very good gate speed. But um, he did relax. And then the thing that I think won him the race was about the 300. He just kicked and put about two lengths on them. And that is where, to me, even though Mars Crusader finished, the race is 1,200, and J-Mac knew that, mm. not 1,220. <laughs> um, so therefore, he won it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, he, 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 he understands the horse. I mean, I, I read that, or I heard James say that, he felt so confident with how the preparation had gone. Like it was the fi- this was the perfect time for Nature Strip and the perfect year and setting for him to win the Everest. And Chris has just prepared him to an absolute picture. Is that the feeling you had? Yeah, those were the messages we got from both of them during the week. And Chris said he didn't want to overpromise, but he said he couldn't have the horse any better. He's never seen it any better. And, of course, all my mates were asking me all about this, so the pressure was going on because they were all unloading on it as I was passing <laughs> this information on. So the pressure's not so much on you as an owner. It's on all your mates that have punted it and the stick you're going to get when you see them next if it doesn't win. <laughs> oh, I love it, mate. I love it. Hey, uh, Steve Edson. I was coached by him for a wee while. I can understand what he's like in the coaching box. Um, how's he like a, as a part owner of this horse, mate? Is he pretty... Pretty outspoken, gets pretty, uh, you know, vocal on it. You probably know this, is he? But he, when he says something, um, you know, he, 
he's got a point to make, and he doesn't do it very often. He's reasonably quiet on the um, ownership front because he's a busy man. Him yep. and Chris Waller get on well. Um, and um, as I think I told the boys on Saturday morning, I've known Steve for about 30 years when he was a cop and coaching high school old boys. So, he's, you know, he's a good good character. I mean, Gordy Hunter is a good mate of mine, and Steve's a good mate of Gordy, so they're cut from the same cloth, got a bit of a mad streak in a good way. Um, <laughs> but loves his, <laughs> loves his horses, and, um, you know, he keeps in touch with us. I had a good chat to him on Saturday. Quite funny that he had to watch it in the corner of the airport lounge in the reef and he said all he could do was slap his leg because I'll tell you what, he gets excited when the horse is running. Yeah. He kind of gets that like little giggle and smile when he talks about Nature Strip as well, doesn't he, Peter? He really loves the horse, which is awesome. How many owners are actually in, in uh, Nature Strip in total? Yeah, that's a good question. But, um, I heard someone this morning, or no, might have been yesterday actually, that said there were about <clears throat> 17 owners, which it's true, but the six of us own 80% of it, and there's um, another group, but quite a quite a large group, so what does that make it, 10 or a dozen, have got the other 20%. But um, there's about half owned between Steve Hanson, Paddy Harrison and myself in New Zealand, and a couple of two or three other mates in, in Aussie, who we've known for a long time, have the other um, sort of 40%. So, um, yeah, so the six... Well, I guess you call them core owners, and then there's yeah. 20 others. They're good people too, but um, I guess the six of us are the closest mates of, of the whole lot. So we don't know the others that well, but um, some of them were through the breeders and that sort of thing. So, But they're good people, oh. and they're very supportive as well. What's it like winning lotto, mate? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you've been involved in races, racing for as long as I have, you've been yeah, you up and down. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd be quite, I'd be a bit ahead of even now. Um, and as I said, as, as are some of my mates, some of them who were sort of 20 each way boys unloaded on Saturday, and that puts them, they tell you about it before the race. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I think it wasn't us, but just us that made a few bob out of that one. So that was even, that was even better. So lots of texts and phone oh, calls. Yeah. And, so until he races next time, I'll be the best mate, and then uh, we'll see what happens next. In the <laughs> yeah, that's right. So he's the big boy's heading down to, I think, a lot of those, as you say, the bulk of the owners, um, a lot of them are down in Victoria who wouldn't have seen him race, or neither would you have, Peter, in a long time. So um, he'll be down to the Dali, and there's no reason why he can't back it up. I mean, he's just, he's a true marvel, mate. Congratulations. It was so cool to talk to you on Saturday morning, and I'm really glad we could catch up again this morning just to yeah, hear, well the, done, hear the relief. It's a massive achievement. Well done. Thanks very much. No, enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for the call.